Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Anything, even with you, <laughs> even with me, that's amazing. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Jude. It's going to be tough as we preach on this this year, not to say chapter, right? So chapter nothing, verses 22. And actually, we're just going to cover verse 22 today. We'll cover verse 23 here in a couple of weeks. And we'll basically cover both of them again here in a couple of weeks. So verse 22 and 23, the book of Jude. I would say most of you here this morning, including myself, have not heard a lot of teaching and preaching on the book of Jude. And so this year we will take, we'll preach these couple of verses, our theme verse uh, this Sunday and then the following Sunday, Brother's House will be preaching next Sunday morning and then the following Sunday we'll preach on the theme verses again. And then we'll come back and we'll study the book of Jude and put it, the verses in their context. And we've done that now. This is about the third year we've done that with our theme verse. We've taken and preached pre- preach the theme verse and then come back later on and preach the context of it. So we'll, because there's only one chapter, we'll get the opportunity to preach the entire book on a Sunday morning. And we'll finish up the book of Jude this year. Uh, it's going to be a tough task, but we'll get it done. And so I'm looking forward to it. I've never really studied out the book of Jude and have been doing that now for several months. And uh, just... Uh, and it's amazing to me how closely related uh, this book and its message is to our theme from last year on continue. In fact, Second Timothy and Second Peter and the book of Jude all, all speak on the same subject. And that is we are living in apostate days. And in those apostate days, those days of teachers who are false teachers and also just the world and the um, immorality around us, that we should stand, that we should continue. And then the book of Jude is we should contend, contend for the faith. So look there with me, verse 22. And some have compassion, making a difference. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Some have compassion this morning, making a difference. That's our message this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. And Lord, I do pray that you would help us as Christians uh, to seek and have more compassion. And Lord, that we would make a difference in others around us in their lives. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Jude was written by Jude, um, either the half-brother of James, uh, the cousin of Jesus, or the half-brother of Jesus he was absolutely related to, to Jesus. Again, the key verse, look back with me in verse 3. Look back at verse 3, just turn the page back. Beloved, he says, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and, to, and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And that is the key verse. That is the theme of the book, contend for the faith. In verses 1 through 16, he gives us the example of why to contend. And the reason why we should contend for the faith 
It's because of the false teachers who abound. And, and by the way, he's not just speaking of that day. He's prophesying into the future. Just as 2 Timothy, when Paul's talking about perilous times shall come, and he gives that long list that we went through. And then he speaks about, Paul speaks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he speaks about uh, the, the, the false teachers that are there false, uh, in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, false teachers. And so Judah's doing the same thing here. He's saying, listen, we need to contend for the faith because there are false teachers around. Boy, isn't that true today? And I know it seems like here in the last few weeks we've hammered uh, the TV evangelist and some others, but boy, there's a lot of, of preachers and teachers out there. And if you, if you turn on the radio or you go to an off channel on your TV uh, that's not the main, main stations and you listen to a lot of different teachers and preachers, well, you have to be really, really careful. And then now with YouTube and all the things going on in Vimeo, I'm telling you, there are false teachers everywhere and they abound. And you, as a Christian, need to know what you believe and why in order to combat or to contend for the faith. You should know what you believe and why so that when you do listen to someone that you can see whether or not if these things be so. In other words, you line it up with Scripture. Does what he is speaking on or what she is preaching and speaking on, does it line up with the Word of God? This is, this is what matters. And, and let me clarify again, as I did a few weeks ago. A preacher doesn't have the market on, on biblical interpretation. You don't have to be a pastor to understand the Scripture. The Bible says when you received the Holy Spirit, when you got saved, that the Holy Spirit came into your heart, came into your life, and He is there to lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit indwells, and that gives enlightenment, the ability to understand the Scripture. You say, well, preacher, I don't understand... All of this, no, none of us understand all of it. In fact, the Bible specifically says some, some things are hard to be understood. Amen? But certainly the Holy Spirit is there in you and me, and you have that opportunity uh, to ask Him to light and give you light as you read the Word of God. So He says, why should we contend? Because of the false teachers. And then how to contend? Well, we have resources for that. Number one, we need to realize that we have been warned. We've been warned that false teachers are coming. And we've been warned that false teachers are going to be more plentiful in the last days. Because they are setting the stage for the Antichrist and his false prophet. So keep that in mind. You say, well, preacher, you're, you're kind of paranoid about all these TV preachers and all this stuff on the radio. and all the... No, I'm telling you, we, we're living in the last days. And the last days, there will be a plethora of false teachers. And that's what we have today. We, ha we have numerous, uh, more than we can count, of individuals either speaking on the internet or other places. And we need to be aware that we were warned. Also realizing that we are to keep yourselves, it says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It says to build up yourself. It, may, it, it says to pray. It says to look. In other words... Make sure you are walking with the Lord. In, in these days of, of, of false teachers, make sure that you are building up yourself spiritually uh, by way of the Holy Spirit and so forth. Make sure you, you are a person of prayer. And then make sure you're looking. And then our, our context today is show compassion. Show compassion to others. Seeking to rescue them, snatching them out of the fire. Show compassion on others, seeking to rescue them. Stay pure, it says. 
but we ought to do our very best to help those who have been um, deceived by false teachers. That we ought to have compassion on them. That we ought to have compassion on them. Uh, Arguing, debating, many of the things that sometimes we like to do doesn't help a whole lot. We really just need to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Show your neighbor the love of Jesus Christ. I'm getting ahead. He is coming again, the fourth one. Why should we contend? Because there's false teachers. How? Understanding that we've been warned. Understanding that we ought to daily walk with the Lord. Daily walk with Him. Show compassion. Be kind. Be merciful. Seek to rescue those who have been deceived. And then lastly, remember that He is coming again. I can't wait till we get to the verses 24 and 25 later on this year. I'm telling you, it's one of the most quoted passages in the Bible. And uh, listen, just remember He's coming again. Isn't it amazing to me, if you if you read your New Testament much, how that um, a lot of the epistles or a lot of the writings will end with something like, hey, uh, this, 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 this is wrong and this is what's coming. But remember, Jesus is coming again. By the way, that's what the prophets did in the Old Testament. It's like, hey, get right with God and, and God's going to judge you and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, and he's coming again. Just to kind of remind you and lift you up and give you hope and give you courage and give you strength. Remember, that's what Jude does. He says, remember, he's coming again. The God of all salvation, he's coming again. He's he's going to receive his own into the air, into the clouds, and we're going to be with him forever and ever. And we can take comfort in that. Paul says in Thessalonians that through this we can comfort each other. Comfort one another with these words. Compassion. Making a difference. There will be many applications as we study this portion of Scripture this year, but there are really two main ones. But here are many of the different applications we can make. Making a difference in our families. Dads, you ought to be making a difference in your family. Moms, you ought to be making a difference in your family. Kids, young people, ought to be making a difference in the family. We ought to be making a difference in our schools. Hello? Teachers, students principals, administrative, whatever area we're in, you ought to be making a difference in the schools. We ought to be making a difference in our culture. Christian, this morning, you ought to be taking a stand in the present culture which we live in. Holding up the word of light. Following the the guide of life. No matter if it's politically correct or not. Making a difference in our culture. By the way, that would, would include caring for people. Caring for people and loving people. We ought to make a difference in our country. Vote. V-O-T-E. Vote. Vote. Support. I told you last year was my first time to ever give to a, to a campaign. I've already given this year as well. Um, vote. If you're going to say things are wrong, then maybe you should support them with your finances. Right? Hello, Christian. Making a difference means doing something about it. Doing something about it. Let me say again, vote. We live in a day and an age in which one vote does matter. Sometimes one vote or two votes makes the difference. <laughs> We're living in that day which is just so close. Making a difference in our families and schools and cultures. And you, you would have a big list as well. But we ought to make a difference to the poor, to the needy, to the sick. And that means supplying finances. It means the church giving out benevolence money. It means uh, helping with clothing and giving out pies. 
I put that down just because I thought, man, I'd love to have a pie. Be kind, be caring to those who are in need and those who are sick. And, and we, we need to be careful, again, about, um, and I hate to use this because it's such a, a word today that is misused, but be careful about, as Christians, judging people by their appearance and, and, and those type of things. Just be kind, loving, and caring. Visit your neighbor. You know, know their needs. V- visit your coworker. Know their needs. And, and Paul said, look not every man on his own needs, but every man also on the needs of others. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for their state, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. We just need to look out for our neighbor. We need to be kind and caring and compassionate and patient and loving to our neighbor, making a difference. I would say the context here of the passage is making a difference. The main emphasis is to, to influence or to those Christians who have been influenced by false teachers to help them, to pull them back, to be compassionate towards them, to be patient with them, to be kind towards them. And then the secondary interpretation is to those who are lost and on their way to hell. May we be compassionate to the lost, making a difference, making a difference. Micah, if you come up here a little bit, would you please? I'll pick on my youngest. Josh is the middle one. I should have brought him up because he always feels left out. Isn't that my, how many of y'all have middle child syndrome? I was a middle child and I have middle child syndrome. It's bad. I was neglected as a kid growing, whatever. All right, so again, making a difference, just stand back here. All right, hang on. I'm going to stand about right here. And I know this is just a silly illustration, but, um, or a simple illustration, maybe not silly, but simple. So making a difference. We can talk a lot about caring and compassion and all these things. And, and we can give, I can give definitions and I will here in a moment. But making a difference means making a difference. <laughs> it means, come towards me. Like if, if a person's on a road going someplace, he's going a certain destination, a certain direction, it means that you are going to influence them and change their direction. Right? You're going to make a difference in their life. And it may be helping the sick or the poor. It may be giving them the gospel, whatever it may be, but they're going down the road, they're going down the wrong road. Everybody with me? And then you're going to step in with the help of the Lord and make a difference and change their direction. Maybe, maybe not, maybe it's, only the Holy Spirit gets a complete turnaround, right? But you're just going to throw them off course. Thank you. You can be seated. Just going to throw them off course. You know, you're going to help them and keep them from you know, going down the wrong path. Keep them uh, from, from destruction, the Bible says. Snatching them or calling them, catching them away out of the fire. Making that kind of difference in a person's life. But it's going to be more than talk. It t- requires action. Making a difference in someone's life requires action. Compassion. To truly see and meet the needs of others requires compassion. Some, it says. Look there at the verse. It says, some have compassion. And I said this last Sunday night. Some have compassion. Some will and some will not. What's the difference? What's the difference? Why, 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 why will some have and some will not? Well, because some have compassion and some do not have compassion. Some having compassion. Making a difference. Some. Some. That word compassion means 
Mercy. Now, what's mercy mean? Mercy means not, giving the, not getting the punishment we deserve. Right? God is merciful. He does not give us what we deserve. I don't know how many times that in my own life I haven't gotten what I deserved. By the way, every Christian here today, every person here today is deserving of judgment and hell. But Jesus Christ in his mercy... God, in his mercy, sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to be buried and rise again from the dead, that we might have our sins forgiven and that we might have a home in heaven. To escape hell, the penalty of sin, and to have a home in heaven. That is a merciful God. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. Compassion, mercy, to show kindness. It means to show concern, to have concern for someone. I, I used this uh, quote the uh, Sunday night, to relive, I'm sorry, to relieve the miserable and help the lost. To relieve the miserable and to help the lost. It means to be gentle and patient. Show your love. Show you care. We talk about all the time from the pulpit and other places when I'm counseling with family members and with, with couples you can tell your spouse you love them all day long, but when, when have you shown it? You tell your children you love them, but you must show it. Yes, you need to tell them. It's important that they have that kind of affirmation, that people need that, to be told that, that you love them. But, but it does, it's not really love unless it's backed up by our actions. So compassion is mercy, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's all these things. But it's really only compassion if it's backed up with action. Backed up with action. Being compassionate. It means practically. It means taking, a food to your na- taking food to your neighbor when they're sick. It means, and I use this illustration a lot, you know, it means, you know, during the spring, noticing your neighbor's uh, yard is too tall and, and you know that something's gone on in their life that they can't get to it and you go over and you mow their yard without asking. Just go mow it. That's compassion. Practically. Having patience. Having patience with others. Um, sometimes people don't deserve your patience. That's compassion. They don't deserve your patience, but you show them patience anyway. For instance, your children may not deserve your patience, but you ought to give them patience. I, uh, most of you know, I've talked a lot about the farm in Duncan, Oklahoma. My dad lives there now. I spent a lot of summers up there on the farm, hauling hay, working hard, and my Christmas breaks and Easter breaks, we spent lots and lots of time up there working. As I got older, I was able to actually work hard, right? So I was able to, to actually do something that would be helpful on the farm. And, uh, but my papa uh, was a determined man and wasn't very patient. And so he would have a tendency to uh, think you knew what to do before he told you what to do and how. And so he would get mad at you for not doing something that you didn't know you were supposed to do and you didn't know how to do it. None of y'all had a grandparent that way or maybe a dad or whatever, mother. And my personality lends, you know, tends towards patience and lends, you know, to being patient, especially with an elder, and 
my, my papa, whom I loved, and I was his favorite, so it didn't matter. My brother, and if he was here, I, I, I would use this illustration. My brother's personality didn't lend that way. And my brother would uh, not react so well when my papa began to, you know, think that my brother should know what to do or what tool to use or whatever the case is. Just took for granted you should know what he's thinking. But I was very patient with my papa. We had to just be patient with people whether they're right or wrong, just being patient with people, being caring and kind and compassionate with people. Amen? It, it amazes me how easily people will lose their temper or lose, you know, lose it with somebody. Just a Christian, as a Christian, we ought to be compassionate towards them, especially when it comes to what they believe, being compassionate towards them. I have a, there's a great illustration of this. So we're going to take a few minutes and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Compassion. Well, if we want to find out about compassion, the greatest teacher of compassion is Jesus Christ. Not only is he the greatest teacher, but also the, the one whom showed compassion. The one who not only taught it, but lived it. And so in Matthew chapter 9, we have a, here the story of Jesus Christ. Look down with me in verse 9. It says, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs. And he saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, talking about Matthew's house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is a wonderful story and a historical account of Jesus as he called on Matthew the publican, which means he's a tax collector. Now, we don't, we don't like tax collectors today. We don't like the IRS. Tax collector, you don't shoot the messenger, right? But we don't like the IRS today. But you can't imagine how the Jews dealt and felt about tax collectors, especially Jewish collect, uh, tax collectors, collecting for the Roman government. They considered that, you know, uh, to be a traitor. So Matthew was a traitor. He would be the vilest of vile. Uh, he, his testimony would not be allowed in court. I mean, there's lots of things that he could not do in the Jewish religious system because of his he being, you know, being a traitor. But Jesus didn't see him that way. And as Jesus walked by, he said to Matthew, follow me. Now, Matthew, according to Acts, had already encountered John the Baptist. It wasn't like Jesus just walked by and Matthew had no idea who he was. But as Jesus walked by, he said, follow me. And guess what? Matthew followed him. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ changed his life, transformed his life. <coughs> Jesus followed him, or G, uh, he followed Jesus, and they went to Matthew's house, and there Matthew put on a party. We know from the account in Luke, Luke gives us a little more description in chapter 5 about the party. And that is, there was a great multitude, it said. There was a, a big host of people. And Matthew had invited all of his friends 
tax collectors and sinners. You say, what's the difference between a tax collector and a sinner? A tax collector, again, is a tax collector, a traitor. A sinner would be one who does not live the law, who did not live the Old Testament law. And uh, could, again, you could even go further, and people of ill repute, and those whom the Pharisees would cons- consider and, uh, and perceive to be the lowest of low. And as he, Jesus sat there and ate with them, the Pharisees came by and said to his disciples, Why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said, Hey, uh, the whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And he said, But go and learn this. And he quotes Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And that says, That I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, the Pharisees were caught up in all the religious trappings. The Pharisees were caught up in the, in, in the law and all of its trappings. And they were not compassionate. They were not caring. They were not kind. Now, Jesus sitting amongst the publicans and sinners was not condoning their sin. He loved them, but he wasn't condoning their sin. He just loved, their sin, loved the sinner. You can love the sinner and hate the sin. And I know the liberals, you know, they, they love to quote that back at us. Well, you, you talk about loving, you know, loving the sinner but hating the sin. You can't. Yes, you can. I, I can love my child and not like what they're doing. Hello? Especially as, as they grow to be adults, I can love, love them with, with, a, with a, you know, a compassionate, loving uh, love, and, but not like what they're doing. You can love somebody without condoning what they're doing. Amen. And that's what Jesus was doing. He loved them. The Pharisees did not understand compassion. These religious leaders did not understand mercy. But Jesus said, hey, do the, do the sick need a physician? I mean, do the healthy need a physician? No, the sick need a physician. And I'm, I'm the physician. They were so caught up, again, in the, the sacrifices and the liturgy and all the pomp and circumstance that they forgot about compassion and mercy. Jesus illustrated that for them by eating with publicans and sinners. And then he pointed to them and said, learn what that meaneth. Can I say to us as Christians this morning, we need to learn what that means. And it, it means that practically speaking, that we need to be compassionate to those who may not be so loving and kind. We, we need to be compassionate and kind and caring towards those who may not look exactly like we look like. It, may need, it means to be compassionate and kind to those uh, around us in every facet of society. Rich, poor, between, ugly, pretty, loving everyone. Jesus had compassion. He had compassion. I, I love verse 36. It says, but when the, he saw the multitudes, Matthew nine thirty-six. when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. By the way, he proved his compassion by what he did, by healing the sick, by helping those around him. He practiced what he preached. We need to have compassion today. I said, preacher, I, I don't know. I mean, I try. I said, well, we all need to ask the Lord to help us be more compassionate. 
And some have compassion, making a difference. How are we to make a difference? Well, lift up Christ. Remind them of Christ. Demonstrate Christ's life in your life. If you truly want to make a difference in somebody else's life, then it's about, a good way to illustrate that is a husband and wife, right? Most husbands and wife have false expectations when they get married of what marriage is going to be like, right? They kind of have this, this pie-in-the-sky idea of what marriage is going to be like after, you know, after they get married and all these things. So, they have, so when they do get married, they have unmet expectations. I'm not discouraging marriage, everybody. I'm just saying, after the honeymoon's over, read. You know, life begins. doesn't take long, usually about a year. The honeymoon stage is over. And then we began to find in a marriage, most marriages, that there are some unspec, uh, you know, anyways. Uh, not, 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 doesn't meet expectations. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll end up with a man, man and wife in my, in my office or maybe wherever and talking to them. And they say, well, he just needs to do this and he needs to do that. Or, and she needs to change this and she needs to change that. And I'm just telling you, folks, you can't change them. Some of you live long enough with your spouse, you know that, right? So how do you change them? You change, you change yourself. You want to make a difference in society? You want to make a difference in the culture? You want to make a difference in your home? You want to make a difference in your school? You want to make a difference in, in, in our, our government? You want to make a difference? Walk with Jesus. Imitate the life of Jesus to others around you. The greatest need that the society needs, the greatest need the world needs today is the gospel. It needs the gospel. It needs you to tell them about the gospel. It needs you to share the gospel with them with a track or to, to give them the gospel verbally, to tell them of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I hope this morning that you know, you know that you know that you know that you're saved, that you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life for two for for uh, 33 and a half years and then they they took him and they judged him and they crucified him they put him on a cross and there he shed his blood for me he shed his blood for my sins he paid the penalty for my sins he substituted for me I'm the one that should have been on the cross I'm the one who sinned but Jesus paid for my sins on the cross that evening they put him in a tomb but three days later, he rose from the dead, having paid for our sins in full. The greatest difference you can make in someone's life is to give them the gospel. This morning, do you know you're saved? Has there been a time in your life when you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior? If not, today, it's the day. You can come forward to the altar. One of our counselors will show you from the Bible how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can escape hell and have a home in heaven. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. You can make a difference in someone's life by walking with Jesus. It's one thing to tell them of the gospel, and you need to do that. It does no good just to live the Christian life and never say anything to them, but both are required. Your, your words are only as good as your testimony. Hello? Amen. Again, if you want to witness to your neighbor, you want to see them change, you want to, by the way, we, 
again, the only true transformation can take a person, in, uh, take a place in someone's life is by way of the gospel. Jesus Christ is in the life's transforming business. That's what he does. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, your life is transformed. You want to see your neighbor across the street's life transformed? You want to see them with a family, uh, a family that's, uh, that's, that's wholesome? and w- Give them the gospel, but live it in your own life. Be a good neighbor. Be kind, concerned, compassionate, patient, gentle. Show them the love of Jesus. Show the love of Jesus to your kids, Dad. Show the love of Jesus to your, to your spouse. Show the love of Jesus to those around you. It'll make a difference in their life. It will impact them. You can make a difference. One-on-one, you can make a difference every day in somebody's life if you'll just follow in the steps of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's all stand. Some will heed to what Jude is saying. Some will seek to have compassion. Some will live out in the steps of Jesus. Are you that someone? Will you make that decision today? Will you say, hey, the first of the year here, I'm going to make a conscious decision, and uh, with the Holy Spirit's help, I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. I'm going to pick out a neighbor. I'm going to pick out a friend. I'm going to, maybe, maybe it is uh, in, inside your own home. Maybe there's some changes that need to be made, and you need to make those changes in order to impact your family. Whatever it is, may you make that commitment today. Maybe you're here and you don't know you're saved. You never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Won't you come forward? Today's the day of salvation. No man knows what tomorrow may bring forth. But we'll get that right today. Get that taken care of today. Greatest decision you'll ever make. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you sent your Son to this world to die and to be buried and rise again from the dead for us. Lord, help us as Christians to be compassionate. Give us, through your Holy Spirit, the power to do so. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.